Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast, and this is going to be a good one. Joining me for the Texans postgame show is my co-host, Stephen Kerr. Happy holidays, Stephen. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was great, Robert. I had uh, dinner with uh, some friends and family, and then uh, the day after Thanksgiving, my son and I went to the UT football game, which even though it was uh, wet and rather chilly, it was all right because the Longhorns beat Texas Tech, so it wasn't really that bad after all. Yeah, good, good games this weekend in football, but uh, the thing about my weekend was my Thanksgiving was real bizarre because uh, Wednesday night I ended up uh, going to uh, kind of one of those 24-hour ER clinics with a stomach infection. It's the second one I've had in the last couple of years. I had a lot of stomach issues, and then you throw that in with uh, vertigo that just doesn't seem to go away. So I was happy to at least partake in a little bit of turkey on Thursday. And if I sound loopy or a little dizzy, it's uh, antibiotics combined with vertigo and uh, a stomach infection. <laughs> well, I'm sure that the Texans, probably, at least at the end of the game, probably didn't do much to help that condition, Robert, because, uh, yeah, things were looking a little dicey there at the end. But my goodness, they pulled it out. But uh, seriously, though, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better, that you bounce back quickly and we're still able to have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was good, and 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 this was better. The, the Texans did something we've never seen them do. The Texans beat the Patriots in a game that counts. I can die now, Stephen. <laughs> die happy, right? Because the only other time that they beat the Patriots, it, it was really a meaningless game at the end of the season. What was it, in 2009? And tonight, though, meant so much more for so many reasons. Not not the least of which is the Texans have another threat breathing down their neck in the AFC South, that being the Tennessee Titans. So beating the Patriots certainly staved off the uh, suddenly surging Titans, but got that monkey off the back of the Texans can hardly ever beat the Patriots. You know, I, I just I just got a little uh, I got a little message here from Aretha, the ghost of Aretha Franklin, because she says you got to start giving Bill O'Brien a little R E S P E C T. <laughs> do you do you have any uh, Bill O'Brien uh, bad grades on the report card to, to on Sunday night? I, I, that was the first thing I thought of when the game was over. I wonder if Robert is going to find anything on the uh, Bill O'Brien blotter for this game. Yeah, no, he passed with flying colors. Now we're we're gonna go to Romeo maybe a little bit later because because he made it a little bit more interesting than uh, maybe he should have, but OB is now 19 and six in his last 25 games. And let, let me throw something else out at you because uh, we got to talk about the Jadavian Clowney trade. Uh, Jacob Martin, two and a half sacks. Now Jadavian Clowney, three sacks, Gary Conley plus Jacob Martin greater than Jadavian Clowney. Did B.O.B. just pull the wool over all of our heads? It certainly looks that way. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were certainly scratching our heads, you know, with the clowny trade and thinking, well, we didn't really get that much for him. I mean, you had a, a guy coming off a rookie season and you had another no-name guy in Barcavius Wingo, who actually looked pretty good tonight. It was Barcavius Mingo, actually, his name, but it's hard to pronounce. But, you know, he was in on some plays tonight, too. But, boy, Jacob Martin, and especially in the last two or three weeks, has really come on. And has made that Clowney trade look quite a bit better than it did the first part of the season. 
Yeah, no question. I mean, we're going to have to start talking a little bit more about Bill O'Brien later in the show because there was some news with him over the weekend, some very interesting news. But let's talk about the game for a second because Deshaun Watson, 18 for 25, 234 yards, three touchdowns, zero INTs, a 140 passer rating, pretty impressive. He's the first player since Jim McMahon in 1985 to throw three touchdown passes and record Stephen a touchdown reception in the same game. How about that? Hey, how about that? I know. I was going to say, don't forget, he caught a touchdown pass. And, uh, and you know, uh, how about DeAndre Hopkins uh, getting his first touchdown pass as a quarterback, <laughs> sort of, you know, in this game? So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Even a little razzle-dazzle on primetime Sunday night football to help the Texans win. How about that? I got to say something about DeAndre Hopkins. You you put him and Andre Johnson together, and we as a fan base aren't lucky about a ton of stuff. I mean, it's it's been a frustrating at times. It's been a struggle at times over the last, you know, 16, 17, 18 years, whatever it's been with the Texans. I, my math's bad. But the one thing that we can say is since year two, we have got to see two of the all-time great Hall of Fame receivers i mean just consistently year after not not with a game missed practically since that second year of the franchise just two great great players and great great people too yeah that's certainly true and not only have they just been such great pass catchers but they have certainly been durable uh, both of them throughout their careers and you know it's awfully soon to say anything and he hasn't been able to stay healthy but man if will fuller could just get some health going you know, he could wrap it, rack up some numbers before his career is over, but certainly DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson, two of the greatest receivers that the NFL has ever seen, and both of them played for the Texans. I thought we were going to see a little bit more of Will Fuller with, you know, Gilmore and DeAndre Hopkins matchup, and you, you thought, well, maybe they're going to go away from DeAndre a little bit, and, and that means they're going to go to Will Fuller. He did have the touchdown that wasn't, which I, I, I think the refs got the – Got that one right. Uh, I, I don't blame Fuller because that would have been a tough catch, and that's a catch that if DeAndre has got his hands on the ball, he's probably keeping it. But, you know, for somebody like that's human, not named DeAndre Hopkins, it, it was a tough catch. But, you know, you, you've got to give uh, the credit to Deshaun Watson because I, I just want to go back to him. Prior to this game, you know, I was looking up this stat, Stephen. How about this? Deshaun Watson has a career total QBR of 84.7 in primetime games with 18 touchdown passes and three interceptions. That was before this game. Make it now 21 touchdowns and three interceptions in primetime. It's the highest in the NFL among quarterbacks with at least five primetime starts since 2006. Well, this is one of the reasons that the Texans wanted to draft him. I mean, the big stage is nothing new to Deshaun Watson. He he did it in college. He did it on the biggest stage you could possibly do it, not once but twice in the national championship game. This is one of the reasons. It's one of those intangibles that I think the Texans were looking for when they were dying to get a quarterback that could do something. And Deshaun Watson has certainly come through. And, and when he has come through, he's done it in prime time over and over and over again. Yeah, he's taken some steps backward and had some games where you shake your head. I mean, what a difference two weeks makes, Robert. 41-7, to looked terrible against Baltimore, but when it really counted on a primetime Sunday night game against a team that the Texans have only beaten once, and Deshaun wasn't even in the league then, 
he comes through. So at least after Sunday night, there's not a whole lot more you can say about that. And he did it without a running game, basically. 23 carries for 52 yards. You got 17 yards from Carlos Hyde, 36 from Duke Johnson on nine carries. It, it was all Deshaun, really, on offense. Well, and you know what's interesting? I mean, Duke Johnson, he made several catches out of the backfield, including a touchdown pass. And yeah, the running game has, has been kind of missing the last several weeks. And what else is interesting, Robert, is if you looked at the basic stats and didn't know what the score was, you would almost think that the Patriots had won the game by a pretty good margin because the Patriots actually had almost 450 yards of total offense. The Texans and I believe like 278 and the Patriots won the time of possession battle, but the Texans made the plays they needed to make. And a lot of that was to Sean Watson. Penalties. Uh, again, the Texans, it looked like early in the game, it was the same, same old, same old Barkevius Mingo. You mentioned him. You know, the personal foul late hit in the first quarter, which was a late hit by the definition. The guy was practically on the ground and he comes in. And the big thing was he comes in with what looked like a forearm and it could have done damage if it hits him in the head or something. That's what they're trying to avoid in the NFL. So, I mean, I know the Texan fan out there is going, ah, wait a second. That was crap. I don't, you know, that's a total Patriots. Deal. No, no, that, I think that was fair. The Larry, Larry Tunsil. You know, he had a holding penalty early on, which killed a drive. And also, it wasn't just a holding penalty. He, he gave up a, a, a bad sack as well. Yeah, one of the sacks that Deshaun had was was on Tunsil for sure. But the holding penalty, it, it was a little, you know, it was a little iffy, but it was a holding. I mean, it was by the letter of the law. Bradley Roby, with a dumb unsportsmanlike, after he makes the great interception, takes off his helmet. No need to do that. You know, that's a penalty in the NFL. Buddy Howell uh, picks up a blindside personal foul block on a uh, punt return. Uh, you got Roby with a holding penalty on his own interception. Of course, he probably wouldn't have the interception if uh, <laughs> he didn't have the holding penalty. But they had like about, I think it was 50 plus yards early in the game. But then it slowly dissipated and there wasn't the Texans penalties. All of a sudden, it was this wasn't the Patriots I'm used to. The Patriots were making some Weird penalties. Uh, Brady looked like he had nowhere to go with the football. I, I, I guess part of that was the Texans secondary. Part of it is I, I don't know anybody that they've got on offense outside of Edelman. I mean, that, that offense is a, it, it's like the uh, no-name group that was with the Dolphins back in the early 70s, except uh, this no-name group is not good, Stephen. Yeah, and the, the chemistry is definitely not there. And I think you noticed later in the game, how Brady started dumping off to James White and using him as a weapon. I mean, he's quite an offensive weapon in his own right. And he went to Edelman several times and made some plays. But other than that, they, they really didn't have, I believe Watson, the tight end, made a couple of catches. But really, aside from that, yeah, the Patriots made a bunch of mistakes. I lost count of how many offensive holding penalties they had and uh, several other defensive penalties that kind of kept things alive for the Texans. So, while, while the Texans, you know, their first possession, they had to burn that timeout. And then they made, you know, several penalties, as you mentioned. But, boy, when, when they got that first touchdown, 7-3, to three, that it almost – you just could kind of see them gaining confidence, especially on the defensive side. And I think a lot of the second half, especially late in the second half – yeah, I know we're going to get to Romeo Cornell, but I also think, you know, the defense was out on the field quite a bit. I think they were tiring a bit. If, if the, It's a good thing the game didn't go on too much longer – but uh, they held them when they had to, and they did make some big plays with the interceptions. 
and uh, some other key tackles uh, and stops. Yeah, Bradley Roby had that early interception, but I, I counted, Stephen, I don't know how many you've got on your math here, but I saw three interceptions that the Texans dropped. So it, it could yep. have been way worse. Yeah, and one of them was on that the penalty that uh, Roby had. I think it was for uh, for holding. Uh, he he almost had a second interception. Yeah, beyond that, I mean, there were three. But there was th- another one. Yeah, there was another. I can't remember who dropped it, but yeah, he dropped the pass. Yeah, there were. I counted three altogether that they dropped. Uh, it just uh, it it could have been worse. Uh, the Texans did a lot of things to make it maybe closer than it needed to be, but it was a team effort on defense. It wasn't just the secondary. Jacob Martin, he had a sack that ended the end the drive with a fourth drive of the game for the Patriots. Uh, there was another drive that was ended on a Bernardrick McKinney knocked knock down on a pass at the line of scrimmage on third down, which was really important. There was a, a Roby, uh, you know, a play where he sacks Brady on a corner blitz. And, and let me just say that's Roby, but give that one to Romeo. That was a br- great play call by Romeo Crennel. Jonathan Joseph uh, broke up a pass on fourth and inches, a big play there, a play that we're just assume that the Patriots usually make. So it was a incredible team defensive effort. Uh, Romeo did some nice things, but man, there was the first and th- was it the first, was it first and 30? Do I have this first right? and 30? Yeah. And they got that first down right yeah, after that. Ju- Julian Edelman's wide open on a first and 30. How does that happen? Nobody's covering Julian Edelman on first and 30. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was certainly uh, one of the big few big plays that the Texans defense gave up a couple of big runs by, by James White, but yeah, all in all, I mean, <clears throat> the Texans defense certainly played, for the most part, a really good game. And you think about this, Robert, you know, coming into the game, the Texans, since J.J. Watt has been out, only had about 3.3 quarterback hits a game. We're talking quarterback hits. Very little pressure on the quarterback, but they got some good pressure on Brady all throughout the game. We talked about the sacks. They they had, uh, I think it was McKinney had a, a really good hit on him as well earlier in the game. So, the Texans really stepped up the pressure and uh, they the, the corner blitz you mentioned. So really, you know, with some injuries in the front seven with uh, Cole and Watt being out, this makes the effort just even more masterful by the defense. And I feel like about 80% of the sack uh, of this, uh, the pressures, uh, the so-called pressure would be just the, the cornerbacks. They, they, they had good coverage for, for most of the game. Romeo with that prevent defense at the end of the game, though, God, Stephen, I hate the prevent defense. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know what this, it wasn't even a prevent defense because you, you were giving up 30-yard chunk plays. You, you In a prevent defense, you're supposed to give up like the 10 and 15-yard play, maybe those, but you don't give up the chunk plays. And and Romeo has a habit of being bad at the prevent defense late in the game, even though at times I feel like there's our defense plays prevent defense sometimes early in the game because it got, you know, they just moved down the field. It's third and 10 and the, the Texans, we know are going to give up a third and 10 first down because our cornerbacks are laying off. And hopefully with these, you know, this new cornerback group, that's going to happen. It's a better cornerback group than I, I think I've ever seen with the Texans, but geez, I mean, I, I hate that. I hate the prevent defense. I have never, never liked the prevent defense as, as from the time I started following football, I just never understood it, especially at the end of the game. And of course, you, you know, it, it cost the Texans the saints game. And that you'd almost think that if the game had gone on a little longer, it might have cost them the Patriots game too. But thank goodness they they dug in and the the clock ran out. The offense got the ball. The onside the two onside kicks that were unsuccessful by the Patriots that 
preserve the victory. We could talk about some other stuff in the game, but you talk about the Texans and their pass rush. Uh, some good news, good news. While you and I were uh, absent the last week and it was just in the last uh, 24 hours, actually, Ian Rappaport reporting that J.J. Watt might be back by the playoffs. They asked J.J. before the game. I know everybody watched it uh, that was watching the pregame. And J.J. said, well, yeah, it's possible. I'm feeling pretty darn good. That's good, Steven. If anybody could do that, it would be J.J. Watt, right? I mean, I mean, does, is, is the guy Superman or something? You know, he has one injury after another after another. He misses a season, comes back. You think, oh, he can't possibly be the same J.J. Watt. And he almost is the same J.J. Watt. Then he gets hurt with another major injury. You know, he's going to be out another season. You think, no, there's no way he can come back again this time. He just he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. And so if anybody could pull that off and come back – before the season is even over, it would be J.J. Watt. Other news, uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, we talked about what kind of job he's doing for the Texans as a coach, but Ian Rappaport reporting this weekend that Bill O'Brien will remain the Texans GM after the year. They're not going to go after Nick Casario. What do you think about that? Well, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that much. And it's funny because uh, even before I saw that report, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, when you start looking at some of the moves, uh, when O'Brien was making them at first, obviously, people were scratching their heads going, what in the world is he doing? He's trading all these the draft picks, basically mortgaging the future for the now. But, I mean, after – and especially after the Patriots game tonight, and you look up and, well, the Texans are in first place in the AFC South. They've had a tough schedule this year for the most part, or at least it started out that way looking like a tough schedule – so, you know, if the Texans finish the season and they go fairly deep in the playoffs, do you really want to break the momentum and bring in Nick Casario? Yeah, certainly been great for the Patriots, but why break the momentum? And let's let's be honest, Robert. Bill O'Brien has wanted this power for a long time. He got it. He's not going to give it up, I don't think, even if Nick Casario comes in. There's still going to be Bill O'Brien control, no matter who comes in there. Yeah, here's where my issue is. Uh, we like the moves that Bill O'Brien has made as far as some of the players that he's picked up. Number one, though, he doesn't understand value, dra- uh, draft value. And I-, I don't know if he's learned anything from any of the backlash because he kept making moves that showed that he really doesn't understand draft value. I- apparently, he's got nobody to tell him uh, in-, in their room because they're going to say, well, it's a team thing and there's a bunch of different guys but that's number one for me. Number two is the draft. You know, I just don't know how a coach in the league today keeps up with all the other players and can handle the draft. Yeah, there's going to be this sort of scout aspect of what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? What? But you need that somebody that, you know, will have a little bit of their eye on uh, what's going on during the regular season with college football and and he studied, he's got no eye on college football yeah he's going to get some stuff from the draft guys and he can go back and look at some of that stuff but man that's a, that's a lot to play catch up on we have no idea about how he's going to evaluate guys or you know what what's going to go into it for him on that point and and I just I don't know like you can go well it's a team thing but there's it, it's going to come down to one person that's going to have to make the the final decision you know, in free agency and in the draft and everywhere along the line when it comes to being a GM. I just don't know if I trust Bill O'Brien to do all that stuff. 
One thing's for sure. I hope Bill O'Brien's family has a picture of him they can look at because they they may never see him with all the stuff he has on his plate. But in all seriousness, though, you're right, Robert, because it's it's the big picture that you have to think about. Yeah. You know, the Texans haven't even finished the full season with him as the quote unquote general manager or de facto GM, whatever you want to call him. It's down the road that you have to think about the impact of moves like the Clowney trade you know, like the Duke Johnson trade, the Carlos Hyde, things like that, how that's going to affect the Texans, either positively or negatively. And would you rather have a guy, whether it's Nick Casario or, you know, someone that has some GM experience that can come in there and, and help out? I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have a, a, a different GM. I just, just from looking at Bill O'Brien's history, he wants the power. He's not going to want to give it up. I, I just don't see him doing that. Should he probably share that load? Yes. I, I, I've just never been a big fan of coaches. There are very few of them who can do it well, over the long haul especially. You know, one season does not a good GM slash coach make. One more uh, big story that happened this past week, uh, just in the last couple of days that just took me off guard, I know, is Titus Howard is out for the year now. And, and that's frustrating because – you know, he, he, it really looked like the offensive line would click more when he was playing right tackle. Uh, Chris Clark and Rod Johnson did a nice job. Didn't even mention their names in this Patriots game, but Titus Howard, somebody that I feel like you're going to miss at some point. And Titus Howard, the thing that he really helps you as much as anything, he's a big, huge guy that can push people around and that helps in the running game and the running game. Eh, it's not been all that great for the most part the last few games. I mean, it's it's really when you look at it, the running game was really clicking when Titus was totally healthy and got to start at right tackle early in the year. That it felt like that's where then when they clicked the most. Yeah, and apparently the the knee just wasn't mending the way they thought it was when he did come back uh, after the injury. And hey, I'm all for even though it hurts right now, if he can just sit out the season, get it completely healthy. Because when he was in there, he was making an impact. And you're certainly right. I, I mentioned earlier about the running game just, just suddenly going AWOL. But a lot of that is due to, I think, Titus Howard. And just the, the chemistry of the line and the, the continuity that it, it just hasn't had is it's kind of gone back and forth with him and several other injuries over the course of the season. So, yeah, it really hurts that Titus Howard is out uh, because he did make an impact when he was in there. But if he can get really healed up, come back strong next season and hopefully stay healthy and be durable, then it's going to be all that much better for the offensive line in the future. Speaking of injuries, you got Justin Reed back on the field. You got Bradley Robia, of course, back on the field. Uh, you've got a lot of your starters back out there. Uh, but Gary and Conley was out with the hip injury. You know, Hargraves got banged up. Justin Reed got banged up again. Justin Reed, you know, I said this on Twitter. <laughs> I said, Justin Reed is helped off the field more than my grandma playing shortstop at the company softball game. It seems like he's on the field every single game, man. <laughs> yeah, he certainly, he, he's endured some tough stretches, that's for sure. But, you know, this is the point of the season where you almost fear that the, the injuries can certainly pile up and you're already banged up, nicked up, you know, from playing 11, 12 games of a season. And so anything one way or the other can, can certainly change the course of a team. So you just have to kind of hold your breath every week now when the Texans are out there, especially considering all the injuries they've had throughout the course of the season, that they don't get another major one before the season is over and you head into the playoffs. The big thing about this one, Stephen, is when you look at it, 
the Texans look better than everybody in the AFC. Every team in the AFC, the Texans pretty much look better than, you know, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. They've beaten the Patriots. I mean, I, I don't know who you're worried about outside of the Ravens. So if I'm the Texans, you know, I feel pretty confident going into the playoffs as long as you're not playing the Ravens. Hopefully you can get it set up to where the that matchup doesn't happen until potentially an AFC championship. I mean, if the Texans could get to an AFC championship game, that is a win for this season. And they now are in a good position to do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think how long it's been since a Houston pro football team has been in an AFC championship game. That would, that would certainly be a feather in the cap for the Texans. And yeah, you look at it. I mean, the Ravens keep winning, but everyone else seems to have their ups and downs. And, you know, the Patriots have shown they're not the Patriots. I mean, hey, the Cowboys almost beat them. They came close, probably should have beaten them. Uh, and the Patriots got fortunate there. But the Texans pretty decisively beat the Patriots. They beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I know you can point and say, well, Patrick Mahomes wasn't healthy, but it wasn't just him. I mean, the defense played well in that game. So the Texans have had some good wins this year. And then they've fallen on their face a couple of times. I mean, the Ravens game certainly was, was not much to speak of. The, the Carolina game, the Saints game. But look, in the course of a season, it, it's where you finish as much as even more than where you start. And if the Texans can finish strong, they have as good a chance as any, anybody in the NFL to go deep in the playoffs and even make the AFC championship game. Had some time on this Sunday because there was nothing else going on as far as Texans concerned most of the afternoon. And I watched some games, man, that 49ers Ravens game, that was, that was the two best teams in the NFL. It, I, it would surprise me if anybody besides the Ravens come out, come out of the AFC unless something happens to Lamar Jackson between now and the Super Bowl, and the 49ers look, man, that team is solid all the way around. And if you look at, you know, just uh, the other teams that have played, I, I see a little this and a little that that I don't like from other teams. Not to say that those two teams, you know, see NFL, anything can happen. But it just, it, to me, it'd be surprising if anybody else was in the Super Bowl at this point. Well, you certainly have to think that way. And, you, you, you know, there's some people that think there could be a rematch in the Super Bowl coming up with those two teams. But, uh, of course, maybe the Texans will have something to say about that. I know uh, their future opponent, the Denver Broncos, they, they had a pretty good game with the Chargers, too, today. I, I, did, I was at a Christmas party, so I really didn't watch any NFL today, but saw some highlights and looked like that uh, Chargers-Broncos game. That kind of came down to the wire, too. Titans-Colts uh, watched a lot of that game as well. I, I pretty much watched the whole game. And I tell you what, uh, the, the, those two, two teams look pretty much even except special teams. And that's where the Titans won the game because Vinatieri can't make a field goal anymore. And when he's trying to make field goals and, and he's just trying to get the ball up in the air, he's getting them blocked. His, uh, his uh, guys are not doing a good job with that. One of those blocks led to the touchdown that pretty much uh, sealed it or semi-sealed it for the for the Titans. But the Colts, you know, T.Y. Hilton not on the field again. I mean, they just don't look good. I mean, the, the competition going forward for the Texans is the Titans, and they got them twice before the season ends. And even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are rolling a little bit, three of the last four. Uh, they they won again, and those are three of the teams that you're going to be playing as you, as you try to close this one out and you know, none of these games are going to be a cakewalk, but I mean, you got to feel confident, but 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Texans to, to keep it rolling and, and hold on because if they slip up at all, the Titans, they've got everybody in front of them. They, they win uh, against the teams that are ahead of them and, and they can be there. They can beat the Texans in the AFC South. So the division's far from over. Yeah, the division's far from over, and certainly the season is far from over. And that's why you have to be careful uh, about saying how easy some games are on the schedule, no matter what it may look at the start of the season or even later on. You know, and the other thing, Robert, you have to guard against is a letdown after a big win like the Texans had with the Patriots. They can't afford to do that. They've got the Titans breathing down their neck. And, you know, they certainly want home field advantage in the playoffs if they can get it. So they, they can't afford to let down against a team like the Broncos after such a big win by the Patriots. They, they, they've got to keep it rolling. And that's the thing that the Texas, that's, to me, that's one of the biggest tests that this team has to deal with is, yeah, they get some big wins, but can they keep the freight train rolling on the tracks without derailing against a team like the Broncos or like the Buccaneers? later on down the line. Right. And if I'm the Texans, uh, you know, you, you can celebrate this one for two or three days, do it, but you know, they, they're going to be, stay focused. I mean, Bill O'Brien's great at keeping them focused and Bill O'Brien, this is going to surprise people. I, I was looking this up, St- Stephen, and let's, let's just take away uh, that, that season where Tom Savage was the quarterback, the last few games I, we're, we're all trying to forget the last few games that Tom Savage was the quarterback, but, after November, after November, Bill O'Brien is basically 13 and six. He's 13 and six after November. Bill O'Brien is a darn good coach late in the year until the playoffs. <laughs> until the, what I was going to say, unfortunately, though, when you get into the playoffs, it, it becomes a different story. But maybe that's where the Texans can take the next step with the crop that they have right now. But you know, you, you've got to win in November in order to get to December. So and that's where the Texans have, have put themselves in a great position. And uh, it's certainly looking good as we head down the stretch of the season. Man, I can't believe that the, the season is only, what, about a month, a little less than a month left now? Yeah, it just gets, goes so fast. I mean, well, I, it feels like life goes pretty quickly. But, yeah, the season's uh, going to be over in a month. And we're going to be talking, you know, hopefully we'll be talking playoffs again. And, you know, the Texans – you know, you can look under Bill O'Brien and everybody can say what they want, but I mean, I'm going to repeat it 19 and six in his last 25 games. And if you look over the history of the Texans, if they figure out a way to, to win the AFC South and do what they're on course to do again, I mean, what is that four division titles for Bill O'Brien now? Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing about Bill O'Brien detractors and there are just some people you're not going to convince. I mean, the guy could probably win the Super Bowl. I don't know, but they they probably find something wrong with it maybe not but short of that they're they're just they're going to be detractors and they have been from the beginning but you have to give the guy his due and and look you and I have sat and criticized him on this podcast I even said before the season started and and I still feel that way I mean he hasn't proven it yet but I I'm not sure the Texans are a Super Bowl winning team with Bill O'Brien as the coach now believe me I'd love to be proved wrong I, I will happily eat some crow if the Texans can win a Super Bowl, whether it even whether it's this year, next year, with Bill O'Brien as the head coach. But, you know, time remains to be seen. And these moves that he made at the beginning of the season, they're at least paying off now. So you have to give the guy his due and give him a chance. Eating crow, is it's not as tasty as turkey. No, it sure isn't. And I had my share of turkey this week, believe me. So <laughs> <laughs> I should know. <laughs> 
Well, uh, that's all we got for this one. Hey, it's a happy post-game show. Texans beat the New England Patriots. And it really, it's 28 to 22. Bill O'Brien, I think he, he had to keep his rep up and keep it within one score. But man, it feels like a much more dominant win than 28 to 22. The, the Texans had a 28 to nine lead with less than three minutes to go in the game. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But Texans beat the Patriots for the first time in their history in a meaningful game that mattered to both teams. And now it gets really interesting as we go towards the postseason. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Let's see. And and hopefully the Texans can somehow get to that point where maybe they face the Patriots in the second round. Who knows? It might be uh, the Patriots and the Texans playing each other in the playoffs and uh, with the chance to, to to face the Ravens in the in the AFC Championship game. You never, never know. Uh, Steven, we also we got to do this in a couple of days, don't we? We got to talk about the Rockets because we took the, the the week off for the holidays. But uh, there's been some interesting Rockets games in the last few <laughs> few days, including a 60 pointer. So we, we got to get back to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I thought the Rockets were going to eclipse the point total that they had against the Wizards. They almost did the other night against the Hawks. I mean, that was kind of a crazy game. And you know, they had some down games with uh, losing to the Mavericks, uh, just looking so bad then. So, yeah, it's been an interesting season for the Rockets. So, yeah, we'll we'll have some uh, Rockets talk certainly coming up in a couple of days, along with, you know, maybe some more Texans talk as they look ahead to their next game. Yeah, I definitely want to preview that one. Uh, if you have a question for us, info at HoustonSportsTalk.net, email us. We'd love to hear from you. You know, give us uh, what you think was a good take or even a question we'll read it on the podcast and also you know you can hit me up on at hst podcast on twitter you can also message me uh, over on the uh, facebook page houston sports talk follow us over on the facebook page we need some more followers there's a bunch of you listening but you're not following us on the on the facebook page uh would love to hear from you anywhere we can uh but for uh steven and myself have a great one and we will talk to you again in just a couple of days You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.